This is a Props.com production. The Bostonian is Matt Peralt. This is our f- city. The book is Dave Sherapan. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Together, they are the Bostonian versus the book. You covered! You covered! Well, I covered! Follow the show on Twitter at Boston versus the book. How do you like them, Matt? Bringing you the best insight on sports betting news, Matt and Dave's daily picks, and an entertaining and unfiltered dive into the sports betting industry. Here's Dave Sherapan and Matt Peralt. And here we go. You are looking live on a Wednesday. What's up? It's the Bostonian versus the book live on the props.com YouTube channel. He is Dave Sherapan, the book. I am Matt Peralt, the Bostonian. Yes, I'm in Vegas. For those of you who don't understand where I live, I am in Las Vegas. Dave is in Las Vegas. Might be remote, but we still live here both together. Matt Farah behind the screen. He's in Vegas too. We're all in Vegas. This is what, this is what this show is. We're from Las Vegas. Yes. Dave, how are you? Happy Wednesday. Good, man. I'm, uh, you're fired up. You brought that show in and actually startled <laughs> me. I mean, I, I, I know the Celtics won by almost 50. And um dragged. You know, I, we dragged I, I, we dragged your team. That's how I know you're not a Sixers fan. You're not you're not a Sixers fan because you don't give a flip. If you actually gave a shit, you actually would be upset about this, but you don't care. So I know I know you're not a real Sixers well, fan because there's no animosity, anger, or sadness because the Boston Celtics hit 25 threes last night. I mean they they might hit another one right now while we're <laughs> actually doing the show. They were shooting from everywhere, knocking it down. At some point, you know, I was actually I was doing this uh, the shows in game live, and they're like, "It's seventeen and a half. Would you take the Sixers now?" I'm like, "No, no, <laughs> not tonight." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "This is a runout." I said, "This is an absolute run." You can see it early. There's no, I mean, they're playing great basketball right now. That's nine in a row. Um, I mean, we started the show in December. We were talking about how bad they were, how right. how, how dysfunctional it was, right. And it's February, and I would put them against any team in the East right now in a seven-game series, and say, "You got it. You got your hands full right now with the Celtics team." Milwaukee, right now. really? Milwaukee? Yes, yes. seven-game oh. series. If oh. they're going to shoot like that and play defense, they're playing defense. I don't know about that. I can't. I can't agree with that. I don't think Boston has any answer for Giannis. Giannis, by the way took over the the scoring lead last night. It's the only thing he hasn't done, by the way, is lead the league in scoring. I don't think against against Milwaukee, I wouldn't give Boston right now much of a chance. They, I mean, that's tough. But against anybody else in the East, yeah. Even with the Nets now looking like they're going to whatever and the Sixers looking like whatever they're going to look like when they get hard on the court. And yes, Boston with the way they're playing. And look, Udoka took a lot of heat. For me too. I mean, we're like, what the hell? Like, what is yeah. this team? Like they were picked to be a decent team and they looked like crap, but for whatever reason, and doc rivers talked about it last night after the game, their defensive game plan has changed dramatically. No question. They're buying in. They're now all playing as a unit. And when you're hot like that franchise record, 25 threes, you just, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Like you're going to oh. beat anyone. I mean, they're up by 50. They won by 48 points last night. 48 in an NBA game. <laughs> when you see the in-game, <laughs> it's 43 and a half. And you're like, 
I don't even want to take that right now. Like I, there was they no time that. where I was like, all right, I think it's got to be 50 and a half for me to even think about taking it right now. Cause the Sixers just put up the white flag and it didn't matter. Yep. I mean, halfway through the third quarter, they they hit a couple shots. I swear Jalen Brown had a shot from midcourt. I mean, I, I swear he hit a shot logo shot. Him. Yep. I mean, they're taking it from everywhere. They didn't care. They're just yeah. jacking and hitting everything. <laughs> it was just one of those. Yeah, it was, just it was the. It was games. on the road too. On top of that, it wasn't oh. even like a home game. It was a road game. It minus three. We all said that number looks a little fishy. Nope. Yep. Should have been minus forty eight. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, you could have. You could have made the whole year. Forget the Super Bowl. You could have made the Celtics ten and taken bets all the way down the ladder. And you would have you would have made a killing. Absolutely. Well, last night in someone on the live chat, Tim is saying, Dave, I cast your hockey advice last night. We we, we did real well for the audience last night, Dave. Penn yeah. State in the under. Yes. Check. Check. Yes. Nova covers. Check. Yes. Our hockey bets. We talked about it last night. Hockey comes in. We cash our on our hockey plays. The Tampa Bay. I, I said to stagger it. I said take Tampa Bay on the puck line and the alt line at two and a half and the over. All three of those bets came in. Yep. How about the Devils going off three one and then losing six to three? Like, <laughs> what? See, this happens in hockey all the time, and, and and I talk about it with the in-game betting. the The algorithm over adjusts because all it's taking is the time on the clock. It doesn't take into account who's actually the teams are, and the Devils are doing this on the regular. This happens all the time to bad teams. They get a lead, but they can't protect it. I mean, when good teams get the lead, like you see, like the Bruins scored five seconds, I swear, into that game yesterday. Yeah. They get a one nothing lead. They're playing to win the game one nothing. These bad teams get a 3-1 lead and can't protect it. You could have got Tampa Bay, who was minus almost $3 at close, I think minus 280, at plus 280 <sighs> in game, down 3-1. It's only two goals. They end up scoring five, cover all the puck lines, the minus two and a half, the minus one and a half, the you know, the money, money line. line. Yep. And the game flies over. Flies over. I mean, over. it was flies six. over. I, I, bet, I bet over six. Nine right. goals got scored in the game. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing happened in Pittsburgh, too. Um, the Penguins got down. Sid scored the his 500th goal, which, by the way, it wasn't a storm court situation, but the players came off the bench. You it was the hockey version that. of it. It that, was it. That's and there's that. no penalty. It's like, listen, since the guy come out, celebrate, congratulate. Okay, they're down 4-2 to the Flyers, another really bad hockey team. They end up winning the game 5-4 in overtime. You, I, I was actually on, and the Penguins were plus 380, down 4-2 in the, after the two periods. And I was like, listen, plus one and a half plus money was plus one and a half plus 125. In-game hockey is tremendous because it doesn't take into account the bad teams versus the good teams. Mm. So, yeah, so we got the Trey Young, our prop of the day hit. We got another prop of the yep. day coming at you guys a little bit later <laughs> on today. So over eight and a half assists, Trey Young winds up with nine last night. So that hit as well. There was five winning bets, six winning bets. Like we gave out winners Ooh. last night here on the show. So I know a lot. I got a lot of DMs from people and messages from people saying, hey, I trailed you guys today. That was awesome. You guys nailed it. And we did. So we were we were good. Nova, that game went exactly as I oh. thought. I needed free throws at the end. And that last free throw that got made saved me from a nothing three up eight. I laid four and a half kid hits a three at the top of the arc for nothing with two seconds left. And I covered, but if he misses that free throw, 
it burns me. Minus four would have pushed and minus right. four and a half wouldn't have hit. So I was like, you got to hit this free throw. And Nova during the game missed way more free throws than they had missed pretty much the entire season. And luckily that kid came in and hit both of them at the end to save me on the minus four and a half. Same can't be said for Kentucky, however, because Kentucky got boat raced by Tennessee last night. That yeah. was Cool did boy. you see? Did you see that little confrontation in the corner early in the game? There. Yep. I was glad it didn't get worse, but I was it thinking almost did. it almost did. It yeah. was very close to, to getting to be a very bad situation. Um, but I learned a little bit about Tennessee. Agreed. I, I, I mean, I think that you know they're going to be a, a, a tough out. I, I I think they can play now. Being at home, you got to kind of weigh versus being on a neutral court. But I had my eye on that game, and then I actually painfully watched that Penn State game and under. I mean, you want to talk about Big Ten basketball just being different than a lot of other stuff. That was a tough watch. I, I, I had to keep going back. I was trying to watch the Sixers, but that became pretty evident that that game wasn't going to be – I mean, I was watching how fun it was for the Celtics. I'm like, all right, this game's not – this is not in doubt anymore. I'm going to try to watch this Penn State game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a really – you know, knocked on, they call it a rock fight when it's like that. They're not even throwing rocks. They're throwing, it's a brick fest. Just <laughs> miss, miss, miss. And for the under, you're fine. You're like, all right, I'm good. I mean, this is good. They can play maybe two overtimes and not get there. But um, Michigan State, not necessarily an auto fade come March, but they're bad right now. They're not winning the championship Cross no. them off the list of being a threat. I mean, right now, I don't want them in the futures. So I don't think they go depending on the matchup. They could be out in the second round. Yeah, I would agree with that for, entirely. And look, uh, we'll get to Jack Eichel because you're wearing the gear today. We'll get to I the, am. the Vegas golden Knights the today. Special cancer hockey fight. Very cancer. cool. Jersey Dean's got on for, yeah. I thought it was a King's jersey. I'm like, you're not mixing Kings and Knights. No, like that's, no, 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 you can't no. do that. Oil and water. But Thanks. it's a it's a jersey for the Knights. And so, look, Jack Eichel playing tonight is a significant deal. The NHL is going to be glued to the game tonight to see what Jack Eichel looks like. Because if he plays well or looks like Jack Eichel, look out for the Vegas Golden Knights and their offense. It is a monster pickup mm. to get a dude like that. He's Is it safe to say he's the best player? Would you say he's the best player to wear a Knights uniform tonight when he goes when he's when he plays game one? Um, Mark Stone's really was really good. Pacioretty's really good. I think Jack Eichel's better than both of them. Jack Eichel comes in with more pre-credentials. Mark Stone is a tremendous NHL player. He, 100%. He's, he's the best overall player, I think, that's worn the uniform. Agreed. And, and Pacioretty's close. Um Obviously, Mark Andre Fleury is a Hall of Famer. Yes, um, right. You know, he's a goalie. So, but he's a goalie. So, yes, this this is this is the name. This is the one that they're going to, if successful, if healthy, he's going to be our guy that they're going to build around now. When this iteration of yeah, what we right. have kind of drifts off, goes away, becomes salary cap casualties, whatever happens in hockey. He's our guy. Like, you know, the, the Blackhawks have Taze and Kane. We now have Eichel. And the hockey fans that are dialed into this, I mean, I, I was down on the street. They can't wait for nine to be on the ice tonight. How could you not? It's, it's you, He's a superstar. 
Yeah. You have a superstar hockey player on the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. Now, let's pause that because we'll get to the to the flower stuff later. But I just we have to get this out of the way at the top because do you know what today is supposed to be? February 16th. Today is supposed to be. um, you, You tell me. Today was supposed to be the official start of spring training for oh, damn everyone. Today uh, is the day. Today is the official on the calendar. Today is the official opening of spring training for Major League Baseball. We are officially delayed for the start of spring training as of today. And nowhere closer. Like, I, I the, the, there's still at the beginning of like these conversations, they're still like trying to determine what their negotiating points are right. <laughs> supposed to be warming up and stretching and throwing fastballs and change-ups and getting loose. Like, you know, the sun is out out West and in Florida, it's time. It stinks. It, it's, 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 it just, it outright stinks. Do we have a delayed start to the, to the regular season? Now that we've gotten to this point where the first deadline, if you will, the first poll has been missed. We are we starting on time or are we starting on May 1? So it's going to reach a, a point very quickly where, you know, the owners are going to go, all right, we'll do a shortened spring training and start the season on time. And the players may go, you know what? We're not going to do that. So that's the initial discussion that I had. I had um, out in L.A. I had a little discussion with, you know, some people from MLB Right from MLB Network, and they were. I was like, "What's the deal?" And they're like, "Right now, short and spring training, start the season on time is the goal." Okay, goal. That's the goal. Goal. Not even like it's the hope or that what will happen. That's the goal, which could very easily be missed. Very easily. I mean, though, you know, would a shortened baseball season be the worst thing in the world? Just in general, it's a lot of games. 162 is a lot. It, I mean, if they can, I know, but to get okay. 145. I, I agree with you that we should go back to 153, probably, you know, somewhere in that range, like from 162 to 151, 152, somewhere in that range. I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay. Let's knock off. Let's go back to the Babe Ruth era of games played, but we're not there. It's not universal. It's not all the records, all the conversations, everything. The entire year has an asterisk on it. Like you start late, you miss games. It's supposed to be 162. Everything that's played, it was a strike shortened, lockout shortened season. So I don't think it's a bad thing for baseball to kind of get a test run as to a shortened season as to what it would look like or how the fans would feel about it. But it's not universal and it's not what we are expecting. So it's not like this is now what baseball is. Baseball is still 162. And we're going to have arm injuries. There's absolutely no debate in my mind that we're going to have arm injuries with guys who are joint. We're going to rush through spring training who are not going to slowly build up their arm and their arm strength. I think of Chris sale top of my brain, a play, you know, a pitcher like that who needs that time. And you could say, Oh, do it, you know, by yourself or whatever. It's not the same. It's why spring training is six weeks long. Okay. We need this time. And if we're going to make it four weeks or three weeks, whatever it might be, Aside from the impact on the economies in Florida and Arizona, because these games aren't being played, it's also there's going to be some real game problems or season problems for teams that have arm issues coming up in the spring. Think about the NFL 
right? It's been 16 games forever. And then this year it was 17 and they added it. So it was okay. And all these records were in jeopardy the last week. All these things change. I think we can adapt when we're going more. The, the, the thought of going less, I think overall, despite it being probably better for the health of the players, easier for the travel, the owners are the ones that stand to lose because there's less yeah. games. Right. And then the historical baseball records, things change. Baseball's been the same for 100 years. If well, we're going to make the product better. When did, when did we go to 162? That wasn't 100 years ago. No, 50 years ago for that. Okay. They played 154 into the 60s. Right, okay, right. Yeah, and then Maris, changed right. it. Yeah. So it's been 60 years of 162. Um, but if, if, we sh- if we play baseball in good weather most of the time, like just either start it. I'm okay with starting in April. Finish when football season starts. Just just finish. October's great. Finish right. Like, there's no reason we should be playing to the end of October or games into November. We've had games in November. It's silly. Baseball stinks in the cold. It's not fun. So you want to start it earlier or you want to cut no. the end, the cut uh, 10 games off the regular season at the end? The regular season should end the first week of football season. The regular season should be done. And then September can be warm weather still in most cities. We played a World Series in, in late September to compete against. How many games do you want? 140? I, I mean, if you take two weeks off the schedule, that's 145. Damn. No, I disagree. I don't think you can start. I don't think you can play baseball's playoffs up against the start of football. You'd be buried. You play it in October against everything. Yeah, but it's not the beginning. Hockey. Yeah, but it's not the beginning of the oh, season. It, it, it's it's it, You're in a rhythm then. To, you know what it's like in that first September Labor Day weekend for college and the first weekend afterwards in the NFL. So all we do is we sit there and count it down and we're jacked up. You're going to play a playoff game up against that? No, no, no. That's when you finish the regular season and then you start the, the playoffs at right after that. You finish the regular season the weekend the football starts. Okay. Because September it, so, baseball, so your first weekend of the playoffs will be the first will be the second week of the NFL. Second week, approximately, yeah, approximately what in September, you know, and you and you and you just move everything up, and then the sports calendar has to change. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is for the historical nature of the game. I mean, baseball is the most historical of all of them as far as all the records and the things and what we measure. Right. So we have to change everything the way you measure people, and then who's a Hall of Famer starts all nah. that stuff. It's a big change. But it's less. Nobody wants to do less. Everybody wants to do more. Ask the Players Association. The games will be better. The product will be better with less games played. Guys will be healthy. There'll be no more, um, you know, sitting out. And I, I, I think a rush to come back. Like, look, if you're hurt, you're hurt. We'll put someone else in. But the games, all the games will be more meaningful. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, if you're going to do it. Don't do it because you're having a lockout and you're and you're talking about labor issues and you're trying to you know shortchange minor leaguers and, and worrying about how all about this. that? It's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous what they're doing. You know I mean, they want to play all these games and have all these leagues and this and that. And they don't want to pay these guys. I mean these guys literally drive an Uber in the offseason because they don't make any money right. playing professional baseball at the double A level. Come on. It's awful. And it's it's awful also because you've got them, you know, you're seeing it now out in the open. We're not paying minor leaguers in spring training, but they have to be there. Yep. 
they need to pay for where they're going to live. Yup. They got to eat. Yup. Yeah. What are you saying? You have to work for free. Excuse me. And what country, what way, what, in what job in any part of this country are you requiring people to work for free? Like this is crazy. And they go to minor league baseball towns in the middle of nowhere, living in some dump one bedroom apartment that they set up for the team. The guys have to live in. It's so like, Oh, we took care of your housing. It's like, Oh, that that's great. Yeah. I mean, in terms of minor leagues, being a minor league baseball player who is not signed out of high school or college to a big signing bonus, you can afford to pay for yourself, for your family, for your own life. If you're just some dude taken in the 20th round and you sign for 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, whatever it might be, and you're going and working for the rate of a minor leaguer, it is incredibly hard to live. Like it is oh. extremely difficult. And it's really not right, to be quite honest, because these companies, I mean, the ownership, they lease the players. You have a minor league team like we have here in Vegas with the AAA team. They, they lease the players from the team. The team has an ownership. Team has management, ticket selling, and all that stuff. They're making money off the guys playing on the field, but the guys on the field aren't being paid by the team that they're playing for. They're being paid by the, by the parent club. That's why they keep the numbers so low because they're like, oh, we'll pay you when you get to the show. But until then, we're not subsidizing you know, middle of nowhere baseball and letting those guys play. It's awful. It's when you really drill it down and realize what we do to those guys, it's remarkable that anybody comes through the minor league system and actually is able to perform and be good. It's it's the ultimate, ultimate grind. And to really be good at baseball, you can't be distracted. You can't do other stuff. Like it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of practice. You got to get in a cage. I mean, I do it with the kids now. And I understand like a lot of these kids that I coach, they're playing to get into college. And then the real grind starts. I'm telling them like, look, I need you, you know, two days a week, you got to hit the cage two days a week. we got to practice. And oh yeah, five days a week, you've got to work out on your own. You still got to go to school. You still go, oh yeah. You want to have a life with your friends? Eh, I don't know how much you could do that right now. If you really want to get to the next level, because at the next level, if they're paying for you to go to school, you are even more committed. So now minor leaguers are professional athletes. They have to do it right on their own it's, time. What are you talking about? And these are million billionaire owners saying this. It's like, wait, what are you talking about? And they're saying it out loud. They're like, yeah. hey, by the way, you got to work for free. Yeah. You're going to live in Florida or live in Arizona and work for free. And so today, you know, we don't get the opening of spring training across. Nice. And your idea is getting panned by some people. Jordan does not like your idea, Dave. Says, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that the World Series would start in early October? I actually yeah. don't hate that idea, though. Early October, as being a guy who's from the Northeast and from New England, I can tell you that playing baseball in late October is no fun. And being in the crowds in late October in the oh, World Series yeah. is no fun. So I don't actually hate the World Series being played in early October. It's just that we're wrapping up the regular season right up against. It's what golf did. I mean, golf was like, see ya, we're out. We're, we're, we're not competing anymore with football. We want no part of that. So right. it would put baseball right up against right up against the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the solution is, but I know that not having baseball spring training starting today stinks. Yep. It just, it, it just, it just stinks. And then the, the, the lack of, of um, being anywhere closer to starting makes it worse. It sounds like nothing has been accomplished for a month and a half since New yeah, Year's. We're, 
we're so far. I mean, it, I, I don't you feel like though, and we got Ryan Bollinger coming on here in just one second to talk about the Genesis Open. But what what do you make of like, do you feel like the public pressure now starts because we've hit this milestone and people now are paying attention? Like we're talking about it. So like people are talking about it now that, okay, wait, where's baseball? It's not starting. We might miss the start of the season. Does the pressure now get really ramped up? No. I mean, it should, but no, I don't think they care. They don't care at this point. Baseball's done what it's done in spite of itself a lot of times. And I, I, I mean, I don't think there's any pressure. They're going to start it when they're going to start it. We're going to go to the games. You know, uh, there's no question that I'm going to go to games right here in Vegas. Um, there's no question I'm probably going to go to Dodger Stadium at some point this summer. There's no question I'm going to go to San Diego and watch games. Might even try to go to San Francisco this summer. I've never been. I'll do it. We'll probably go. I almost can guarantee I'll be at a game in Arizona. I will go because I love baseball. So, no, they know that. They know they got the fans, you know, by the short hairs is, is the term they like to say. They can do what they want. We'll start it when we're going to start it, and they'll still come. That's it. Oh, boy. All right. This is history now. Ryan Bollinger from the Gulf News Net has been on my radio shows forever. I've actually never seen Ryan. Oh, my. In all of our conversations over the years, I've never actually been able to watch a conversation with Ryan. Wow. This is a first. Ryan Bollinger from the Golf News Net joining us here on the Bostonian versus the book. What is up, my friend? How are you? Good to see you. Good. Good to see you. How's everything going? Uh, great. Meet Dave. Uh, I, Ryan. I don't know if you hey, guys Dave. have ever talked. I don't think you guys have ever talked, but very, very cool. Thank you for coming on here. Got a lot of cool things to talk about from the PGA Tour. Genesis Open starting coming up tomorrow out here on the West Coast in L.A., let me start with one year ago in the Tiger Woods accident and how we come here now with the Genesis Open. How much of that is a story going into this week? This is Tiger's tournament, and we almost lost Tiger Woods like legitimately for his life with that car crash that happened in Los Angeles, what, the morning of the first round or second round? I can't remember exactly when that thing happened, but it was a year ago this weekend. Yeah, it was the day after the tournament ended. He, he was on CBS, looked pretty comatose in his uh, host interview with Jim Nance. And I think a lot of people pointed that out at the time. And the next afternoon, I was picking up my kids from school and saw across, across my Twitter feed what had happened in the car wreck that morning. Uh, he was going to a Golf Digest shoot. I, I don't think it's as much of a story as maybe it, it probably should be, considering the impact that it had. And I, I think a large reason for that is all the stuff going around the Saudi Golf League, at least a proposed concept of a Saudi-backed golf league. And who they might poach and how much they might spend and what it might all look like once it starts. And that kind of has taken over the golf conversation outside of the ropes, other than you know, we've got an incredible field this week. We've got all the world top 10, the 35 of the world top 50. We have a field strength that is better than the 2020 masters this week. Uh, it's pretty stunning how good of a field that we have. And we have this kind of sideshow thing going on right now about how long this, uh, this Saudi golf league threat may exist. You and I talked about this like a year ago. I, I when, when this thing first like popped up, I, I had you on the radio and we were having this conversation about like, okay, there are really deep pockets over there. And if they want to start throwing around, you know, seven figure dollars at these golfers, they may take a look at it. And we've already seen Colin Morikawa come out and say, I'm not doing it. Bryson DeChambeau, it was a leak that he was going to do it. And he had to come out and say, whoa, 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 I'm not doing it. 
how big of a problem is this for the PGA Tour? Is it beyond just a theory that this thing might actually happen? I'm not sure. It feels like it's an enormous game of chicken right now because on one hand, you have a guy named Kramer Hickok who plays in the PGA Tour, went on another podcast called Stripe Show, and said there are 17 guys who have signed or were rumored to sign with the Saudis. But that's maybe 17 of the world top 100. And if you think about some of the names who have been correlated with that, you think Phil Mickelson, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Dustin Johnson's been linked to them, Bryson you mentioned. Uh, some other names out there, but not nearly on that kind of stratosphere. But what what do many of them, other than Bryson, have in common? They're in the second half, if not the outright end of their careers. So if you throw out a number of 17 and say, well, well, who could the 17 be? Well, if 12 or 13 of them are guys that don't have that much viable time left on the PGA Tour, what is the PGA Tour losing? Because you've also had, on the other side, you've had guys like Rory McIlroy and Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay and Brooks Kepka and go to the name players of this generation, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, all say, no, thank you. We're staying here doing things this way. Uh, so if you start to kind of balance who said they're out and who said who's rumored to be in, I, I really don't know what the Saudis are buying for in upwards of a billion dollars. <laughs> Dave, if I offered you seven figures, would you go play golf in Saudi Arabia? I mean, if I'm, trying to compete with these young kids and I'm a little bit on the back end, you know, of the career, or I could go to the senior tour or I could go to the Saudis. I'm going to the Saudis. I mean, that's, that's a no brainer. They're going to take those guys for sure. Does it affect the preparation and stuff, Ryan, of the guys like this week, it's the last week of the West coast swing and, you know, everybody, the vibe kind of changes when it goes back East, you know, it kind of ramps up. Everybody's getting ready for the masters. Do you think it changes any sort of preparation? The field you said is great. I don't know how much does it do anything to this week's tournament? I don't think that it does. I mean, I think a lot of the focus once we get to tomorrow is, is about the golf tournament. Riviera is an incredible host. It's a really exacting golf course. There are a lot of people who like, and I'm one of them who likes to draw a correlation to performance here versus performance at Augusta National. Uh, there's a kind of bond to that. So I, I think a lot of pros take this as not only an opportunity to see where they stand against the best players in the world, but they also see it as an opportunity to see maybe where their games might align with the Masters coming up. And, and like you said, the Florida swing kind of brings that all into focus. We've got the players. That's a great teaser for the for the Masters, but there's really no corollary golf course in Florida quite like Riviera. So I, I think once we get to tomorrow, that that's really where the focus is. Before we get to this week, I want just want to take a quick jump back to last week for the waste management in Phoenix with the craziness on the 16th, which really led to the 15th and the 17th because they have the spillover. You can see both tee box and green from where the stadium course is set up. It is so unique. Do you ever see another course trying to mimic that? given what we saw the social media, I mean, the two hole in ones obviously created this ridiculous party, but like beer cans raining down on the green. Some of the commentary said like there were spike marks and beer can marks on the green that were causing the ball to jump around a little bit, which is not great for golf, obviously, when you don't have a flat surface and, and, and the putts are being affected, but like the Phoenix open is so unique, but does anybody try to copy it given what we just saw this past weekend? I think two tournaments do currently try to copy it, maybe three. 
not exactly in the same way, right? I mean, nothing's going to be the Phoenix Open. I think everyone's kind of established that at this point. It, it, that's 40 years worth of work to build up to that, that level yeah. of celebration. But I will say that I feel like the, the Players' Championship between 16, 17, and 18 in Jacksonville is a raucous atmosphere, especially with 17. And you can see 16 from the hillside watching on 17. It's a really great stadium to watch that down the stretch. And 18 is just a, a really difficult par four. And they have a really good fan base there in Jacksonville, very loyal to the tournament. They do a great job with it. I think they also do a pretty good job with it at the Travelers as well. They have 15, which is drivable. 16 and 17 are really good holes, big kind of open valley type space. Uh, again, that's kind of a New England sensibility. That's not let's get drunk at, at the 16th hole, a little, <laughs> little bit different, obviously. But And then the other one I would throw out, we're going to get that uh, next week is the Honda Classic with the Bear Trap, 15, 16, 17. Oh. They, they have two par threes. They have put all kind. I mean, they've built up the chalets now to two stories to sort of kind of keep up with the Phoenix Open, and they're openly encouraging people to just get hammered <laughs> at the 15th and 17th holes and boo players if they, do, if they put the ball in the drink on either hole. So uh, there's nothing quite like Phoenix, but there are some tournaments that have embraced that kind of rowdy atmosphere and, uh, to a degree. Is golf taking the stick out of its out of its own ass? Is 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 that kind no. of the, is is that kind of the goal here to kind of make everyone kind of or is it just like those little events that we'll like we'll accept it, but really we're gonna go back to the being the very posh and like on the straight and narrow for the most part. I, I think there's a difference between formalizing it like they do in Phoenix, where it's like, all right, here, come get drunk right here, and <laughs> yeah. you know we'll put this on TV and tell everybody how great it is. Versus, let, let's say for example, we have the BMW Championship here in the Baltimore area last summer people were hammer time all day they just didn't have an area where they said get drunk here and act like a buffoon here they just said just do it all over the golf course they spread it out a little bit better so it's it's not that golf's got to stick up their butt so much as they do a good job of spreading out the drunks on a lot of courses versus events that just say just just go right here this has been going on for years though like people go to golf tournaments and drink and get drunk and party. Of they course. Just haven't. Do you think the players, at least the younger generation, are kind of embracing it? I mean, you see guys in Phoenix. It seems to be, I mean, obviously for the fans, it's more fun. But it, the, in your opinion, you know, being around the golf stuff, or do you think the players are somewhat embracing the openness of it all? Yeah, I think in my time of just covering – tour events, you know, with the 10, 12 years, 12 years at this point, I think the attitude toward the Phoenix Open has changed from it being a sideshow that certain players like to something a lot of players look forward to because it is different. And I love that. I love that the younger guys have pretty much across the board, unless they're taking Saudi money the week before, <laughs> are agreeing to come to this tournament because it's fun. It's a good time. It's different. Uh, they have a great – it's just – it's a great atmosphere. And for one week a year, they can embrace it for that. They can get it at different tournaments, but there's nothing quite like Phoenix. And I, I think that's good. I, I think it's strong. I mean, the TV ratings for Sunday were something like three and a half million people on Sunday yeah. for a golf tournament. That's huge. I mean, that's not major level, but it's better than 75% of regular PGA tour events. So people there was a big football watching game that day too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was a great, I mean, it's been, and that tournament has become a great teaser for the Super Fantastic. Bowl. It is, and they have embraced that as well. Again, embrace what you got. Don't fight it. 
Do you think next year, the fact the game is being played in Phoenix, that they'll have to get out of the way a little bit with that? Because yes. the the over to the, the the playoff started literally right when the game kicked off, like it was overlapping. Will they try to move tea times up next year to try to get out of the way to let the crowd go watch the game and, and not have to make people pick? Yeah, I think that they will. Uh, from last year or, or the last time Glendale hosted, I, I want to say it was like five, six years ago. They kind of wrapped it up a little earlier, more like five o'clock instead of six, six thirty. And I, I mean, unfortunately, this tournament has had a propensity the last couple of years to go into a playoff that just plays 18 over and over again. It kind of kills the buzz. <laughs> so hopefully they'll fix that by then, too. But I, I think they will set it up so that they won't ever do a Saturday finish, but they will do a Sunday finish that breaks up a little bit sooner. All right, Ryan, let's get to Riviera this weekend for the Genesis Open here and talk about some of the players you like for this coming tournament. You mentioned it's kind of a precursor here for for the Masters. There are some guys who are playing some really good golf here heading into this tournament. Anybody at the start here that jumps off the page to you? I mean, I think your three guys you got to think about right away are the the two best players in the world right now who are John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay. And, and even when they don't play their best, they're somehow still in it. I mean, look at what Cantlay did it. At Pebble, he was horrible by nature of his game and still was in it with eight holes to go. Rom, both in Phoenix and uh, at Torrey Pines, really didn't play his best golf and still was part of the equation in the end. Um, and then I think you have to think about two guys just underneath them. Victor Hovland, who's winning everywhere, uh, had a bad week in Phoenix. He finally got tired. And then you have Colin Morikawa, who's the best ball striker on the planet and can become number one in the world this week if he wins. So there's a, a proper motivation for him to, to go out and get the W this week. I mean, we've got, a, got this battery of players at the top of the world ranking right now that you, you're kind of predisposed to like every week because they are so consistent. But then you've got just beneath the surface. You've got Dustin Johnson at 18-1. to 1. You've got Justin Thomas, who really seems to have picked up something by having Bones Makai as his caddy. You've got him at 18-1. to 1. You've got Hideki Matsuyama, who has two wins this season, loves this golf course. 20 to one. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at a top heavy board in a really deep field, but the weird thing is for whatever reason, last five, six years, most of the winners of this golf tournament have been 50, 40, 50, 60, a hundred to one. So you, yeah. your fields are stacked, but for whatever reason, someone kind of down the middle of the board is, uh, is picking up the trophy. Ryan. So golf betting has changed so much in the past, like four or five years. I mean, it, it's incredible. I just clicked the menu the, and Golf is a, is a gambling game. Like if you play golf, you pretty much gamble. I mean, between Wolf, best ball, this, that. When you look at the golf betting, are you looking at anything specific? Like, because we've got a lot of new people listening to the show, watching the show that don't understand, you know, anything more than outrights or head-to-head matchups. Do you want to give anyone anything kind of like maybe to focus on to just – have a better experience golf betting than trying to pick one guy out of a hundred person field to win the tournament. Yeah. I mean, I kind of take the general approach that on my betting card for a given week, I'm going to have four five, six guys, depending on the event as outrights, different unit sizes, but anywhere from a unit to a half unit, maybe a bit a deep shot, a third of a unit. And then I'm going to look at a couple of those guys, particularly toward the back end for what are top 10 or top 20 plays. So if they finish in the top 10 or top 20 of a tournament, you're going to win money. You're going to get plus money on that almost universally across the board, unless you're talking about someone who's you know maybe 18 to 1 or shorter than even money, maybe minus money even. So you, you want to look at someone who you think has potential to win the tournament, but 
probably isn't going to get there. So I'm I'm thinking guys that are 50 to 1, 60 to 1 and greater, maybe in the, even down to that 150 to 1 range you think you might take a flyer on. And maybe you put three or four of them in a top 10 or top 20. I like top 20s more. You got a little bit more room to breathe. Uh, there are top 40 bets out there. If you think you, you can find someone with really good money, uh, a plus money, that's very rare, I think. I think the top 40 market is, frankly, a lot of hedging. Uh, if you really want to be interested in that, Hey, that's up to you. But then I think there's a really cool prop market out there right now, emerging for kind of top nationality, um, and and these kind of markets for, we'll give you a a three pack or a four pack of players and a mixed bag of odds for them to win. That, that seems to have become a popular thing. I hope what more comes out in this country versus what they do overseas is each way betting where you're betting a player on two bets to win outright and either to finish in the top six, seven, or eight, depending on the book. You're placing two bets and you get good money on that. Uh, So you're getting usually the win bet, you know, one sixth of that is your each way bet. So it's almost like a top five bet that's become more the Americanized version of it. But I would like to see each way bets kind of become more of a thing. Ryan, the only bet I've made so far in the tournament is, is on Patrick Ketley in the top 10. And actually I got even money on that last night. What, what happened to this dude midway point of last year? I mean, you go back and look at his stats so far this year. He is not, he has yet, yet to fail to come in the top 10 ninth is his worst finish so far in 2022, but that his top 15 finishes go all the way back to midsummer of last year where he missed a cut. He, he got 23rd and missed a cut and then came right back and started this ridiculous run where he went on to win the FedEx Cup. What what changed late last year for Patrick Cantlay? I I don't know what clicked. I mean, you never know what really clicks, but he's got to know he's better than pretty much everyone that he plays every week or plays against every week. I think that goes a long way. Psyche goes a long way in golf because when you you think about where you what you have to do to finish in the top ten, what you have to do to win every week, and once you kind of figure out. What you have to do to do that is way less than what throw Kramer Hickok, JT Post, and I mean, name all your also ran guys have to do to finish in the top 10. It's a whole lot easier. Uh, it just, it's that mindset is different when you know you can beat them. And if you play marginally well, you're going to do it. And if you play really well, you're going to win. And I, I think that's kind of what is set in for him that at this point, he, he is realizing his potential. And he's going to play to it every week. And I'll, I'll go back to Pebble. He didn't play great, but he was still with a legitimate chance to win with eight holes to go. And it's those kinds of experiences, I think, that pile up for a professional golfer where you go, I didn't play great and I still had a chance to win. What if I play great? I'm going to win. So yeah. I, I, th- I think that that kind of that, that really starts to lay the foundation for someone like him and Hovland, Rom, Morikawa. That's why those guys are at the top of the game. They know they're better than everybody else. Last one for me, Ryan, before we let you go and let Matt finish up with you. But you've been around us a long time. A lot of people are thinking this. I've been asking myself this for 30 years. Is it tournament or tournament? Because the NCAA tournament is coming up. And I say tournament. Everybody tells me I'm saying it wrong. What do you say when you talk about a golf tournament? I heard you say it once. I think you're with me. Tournament? Tournament. With one caveat. One caveat. What? It's the Masters Tournament. 
Oh, oh, you're gonna you're gonna make me say that for <laughs> Masters Week? Because you got to say it with a Southern accent. Tournament, uh, tournament. <laughs> yeah, I'm, from, I'm from Maryland, so I don't. I have a Baltimore accent. I don't. I don't have tournament in me, but I got tournament okay. in me. I got tournament in me as well. Ryan, thank you for the time, man. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate you coming on. We'll do it again soon, right? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great time. It's Ryan Bollinger Thanks, Ryan. at Ryan Bollinger on Twitter to follow him, the Golf News Net, thegolfnewsnet.com to follow those guys. Ryan and I, I used to talk to Ryan before golf betting became really large. And then, like, we talked behind the scenes about it. Like, we would DM about golf betting before we, he really started talking about it publicly. And now it's like full bore. So it's very cool that we can openly talk about gambling together about what's going on. Patrick Cantlay is, it would be, we might pick to win the tournament, Dave. I think he's got a huge opportunity here. He's playing incredible golf right now. I think Rom also is a guy you have to watch out for, but I'm psyched to watch here in Los Angeles. Again, you mentioned the last of the West coast swing before they head on back to Florida to get ready for the masters. This is what always pisses me off. We talked about baseball, like golf, NASCAR Daytona this weekend. We'll cover that on Friday. Like where's baseball? Like we're supposed to have baseball is supposed to be part of this conversation right now. And it's not. Yeah, it's, uh, it sucks. It sucks. It just <laughs> it's it's annoying. It sucks. Have you looked at the golf menu? I just, I'm it's amazing. So, I, there's uh, so I'm on Fandle right now. Yep. And there's round leader finishing positions. Birdies yep. are better. Three yep. balls matchups. Yep. Attorney specials, groups, props for the Genesis. This is not a major. Shot, this, is, this is not majors, a major boosts, yeah. and then all tournaments. Yeah, like, I don't even know what half of those things are yet. I have to go and look at those. Yeah, so I'm prepared more for, you know, maybe some different options that yep. you can bet. Because, I mean, for the longest time it was easy. Me and 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 Zanko, Z Man, I call them Rich Zanko. He used to do the golf odds and we would bounce each, you know, he'd like, you know, Dave, go through these, make sure I didn't fat finger one and somebody's supposed to be 30 to one and I made it 300 to one. So we looked at the outrights, we looked at the head to head matchups and we would only do the good ones because nobody bet the other ones. And we didn't even do make or miss cut and we definitely didn't do top 10 or top 20. We did not do that. It was just because it was new and it was like, I'm not sure how to price these things and stuff. Now it's incredible. I'll say it again, Dave. I, I, another one of my, my odds, my ideas that you could steal a red zone for golf in particular on Friday afternoon coming down for a cut is programming that nobody is doing for betting at the moment. And someone needs to do it. You got to have the rights to the tournament, obviously. Okay. You can't do oh, it. Okay. Like you can't have it like talking about it, like on a screen, you got to be showing it. But if I were CBS, Friday afternoon, if I had the rights to the tournament, I would go to CBS Sports Network and I would design a golf betting show that literally go over all the live odds. It would go over who to make miss the cuts, you know, how many how many golfers need to do what to make the cut to get to the weekend. Because if you have a big player who is like a Bryson DeChambeau, where you got somebody who has a lot of public money on him and that golfer is maybe going to miss the cut. And all those bets go away to win the tournament, top 10, top 20, all that instantly goes away. It's a huge betting opportunity for somebody in the in the broadcasting space to captivate because I'm glued to it. Like I bet Cantlay to come in the top 10. So like if he's on the cut line, I'm watching every darn stroke he takes. <laughs> like, like I'm glued to like my phone or my TV. I'm like, okay, I'm watching every time Cantlay has a putt or a chip or anything. 
I'm like, all right. So he's two strokes off or he's up by a stroke to make, to, you know, to make the, make the, make the cut. I just think someone needs to do it. Cause I'm with you. The golf betting opportunities are so big, so big. Giving away all these ideas for free. Sorry. I mean, I'm just, I'm chucking them out there. I'm just throwing them, but that's what I would do. You have to have the rights to the tournament though. Cause if you don't, somebody tried it. I think somebody tried it online. It might've been TNT or somebody tried it and it was a, abject failure because they didn't have the ability to show the actual course. If you can't show the course, it's not going to work. You got to have the rights. Right. Yeah. If you have the rights, yeah. that would actually add to uh, some in-game wagering as well. hundred percent. You would, you would literally be trying to kind of hedge the position based on the shot in your position that was prior to the odds can be adjusted for the whole thing. Um, I wonder if they do now you have me, I have to watch make or miss cut on Friday to see if they adjust the odds on that or that bet just goes away at the beginning of the round. We used to have to take off in the risk room when the round started. The only thing that we would leave up would be the matchups that started later. So if you, if you could do make or miss right cut, in-game wagering? Oh, it'd be tremendous. So here is a perfect segue before we get to Doug Franz from Props Arizona to talk about Kyler Murray and what's going on down there because that's a mess. And also the Phoenix opened a bit with him. So there was a there's a company that put out the uh it's called Phoenix, F a P-H-E-N-I-X. So leave the O off, but it's real-time streaming of Sports. Okay. Oh. So, the, so they're out pushing this because of latency. What do you think the latency was for the average viewer who was watching the Super Bowl on NBC? So the play happens. How long does it take for the play to show up on your TV if you were watching NBC? 30 seconds? 55 seconds. 55 seconds is an eternity if you're live betting. I mean, that is unbelievable. Two plays. Yep. Not even one play. It's, it's two plays. The fastest was watching it on NFL.com. They were 50 seconds behind. 5-0 was the fastest? That was the fastest. If you were watching it in the stadium on Verizon 5G, it was one second. But you'd be, have to be in the stadium. Wow. So they tapped into the live truck feed. So it was one second. If you were on the Verizon 5G, if you had like, if you were listening to the call while you were watching the game, that was a one second latency in stadium, but that's it. How about, I, mean, if you- I never had that fast feed when I was doing the games in game, when I was running the games, I was terrible. I was, I was watching the same stuff that people were watching. I didn't have a faster feed. Really? Yeah, it was impossible to do the lines and stuff. It was very difficult. I mean, I was kind of, you know, I was watching um, my lines. I mean, and I was trying to, you know, guess what was happening. And I would watch the computer work because wherever they were, it had a different feed. So they were always five to 15 seconds ahead of me. But that's brutal. A minute? That's, I mean, it's basically a minute. Correct. You're watching on NBC Sports, 55 seconds. You actually got it faster on Peacock. It was 54 seconds on Peacock. If you were watching on Hulu, that was the worst. It was 60.4 seconds on Hulu. 
which scares the living daylights out of me because guess where Thursday night football is going next year on Amazon. So how bad will the latency be on Thursday night football coming up? I think this is the biggest problem in sports betting, Dave. I really do. I think this is the biggest problem. Did Dave freeze? I'm just seeing Dave frozen. Uh Uh-oh. Let's see if we get Dave back. Did I freeze? I don't know. I'm still on and Dave's frozen. Okay, I'm still on, but Dave's frozen. So let's see if we can get Dave back. Uh, Dave froze. Okay, so I'll just hopefully we'll get Dave back here in just one second and we'll get Dick Frond on. But I think this is the biggest problem in sports gambling right now. The latency of television has to be addressed. If we're going to do live betting, if we're going to have all these states be legalized and we're going to entice these gamblers, sports bettors, to do in-game, same game, different parlays, all these different prop betting, live prop betting, all these different things, you can't be 50 seconds. Like, you can't be 50 seconds there. I mean, the latency of streaming in particular, when we start to go to these applications only, right? I mean, this is what happens a lot when I'm watching UFC events on ESPN+. And it's not so much because live betting for UFC is not that big, but I know the latency for ESPN+, Plus is brutal. I mean, I've seen it when I've sat at T-Mobile Arena and I've been streaming it and watching the call or listening to the call. It, it is about a minute. It could be as, as longer than a minute. And for Amazon now to have the NFL... Yikes. That's that's brutal. So according to uh, Dave, Matt, it says he needs a new link to get in. I don't know what what, what happened there, but uh, looks like it all kind of crashed. Dave's Internet may have crashed, but it's a minute. I mean, that that's that latency for the Super Bowl is un, is incredible to me that you have on NBC Sports. You are looking at a and on direct TV, which is also wild. If you're watching on direct TV stream. It was 59 seconds. If you're watching on Yahoo Sports, it was 52.4 seconds. Streaming on FUBU was 55.1 seconds. These are all on average. And viewers on all platforms other than 5G Super Stadium, which was an in-stadium feed, were significantly delayed, significantly delayed when it comes to streaming. I mean, that is an unreal lag behind as to what was happening on the field. And so if you're going to be betting these things, if you're in a legalized state, which we're going to be in Arizona, okay, we're going to be in Arizona and we're going to have live betting going on in the stadium that the books are going to have to be really careful because the at home audience is going to see this thing way behind what the in stadium audience is going to see. So everything is gearing towards Arizona because this is we've never had a legalized sports betting state for the Super Bowl. Next year will be the first time. So latency and streaming, I, I don't know how we fix it, to be frank. I don't know. I'm not a tech guy. I don't know internet. I just know that at some point, if we're going to see sports betting really take off in-game and become as profitable or as used, I mean, if you talk to some experts, they believe that in-game betting will one day you know, pra- uh, surpass pre-game betting. And they think everybody will wait till the game starts and then they'll start betting. Well, if that's the case, the public will start to be wise to the idea that they're betting into a market that's already a minute old and that the books generally have the information a minute before you do. Now, 10 seconds is a long time because this is 
it's all computers. This is all computer calculated and how they do it. So like one thing that I do and Sharon's talking about this saying she watches, she, she watches it on, on FanDuel. It happens all the time. And Sharon Penn says he's locked out. How is Dave locked out? Oh, I think we got Dave back. I see Dave in the, in the back. I think there we Dave, go. Thank you, sir. I think, I think we got him back. Yeah, he, he, he was locked out. I don't know how he's locked out, but he was locked out. I think that, but I, I watch games like how Sharon watches games a lot. When the little lock boxes pop up on the screen, you know, something big just happened. And so oftentimes I'll go and like, go up, oh, watch the screen because some big play is about to happen. And just depending on how far the lag is. So this is what happened, Dave. We make fun of the internet and then the internet, the internet comes back and bites you in the butt. Zap me right out. I, <laughs> I, I, I got, I got locked out and then I try to get back in with the link and it said, you can't get back in. You need a new link. Oh, kicked so you out. Like, get one, you get one shot with the link, just like you get maybe one shot to make a bet. And then it freezes. <laughs> I don't know. I can't believe it's that long. I knew it was long. Um, but I, I, I thought it was 30 seconds. That's, that's going to be a problem going forward. It's the I, I said it before, right when you froze, I asked you the question. That's how I knew you froze because I was like, wait, Dave, I asked you the question. I think it's the biggest problem for sports betting right now. It's the most difficult problem to solve. It's the biggest issue facing sports betting. If in-game is going to fully mature, latency has to be addressed. Has to be. It's 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 I mean, you want to leave it up as the book. Because you can get more bets. If you wait until just the commercials to do it, to keep it fair and to be on the same plane as everybody, you're limiting the amount of time you can take bets. Not a basketball game. There's a zillion commercial breaks. But in a football game, the pace of the game is welcoming to take bets while they're in the huddle. Um, the baseball is the best you can see. No, I, I think golf's the best person. I think golf is actually the best. Well, as they walk to their shots, there's so much time there's, between there's so much golf. time, but there's other, you're jumping from shot to shot, to shot, to shot on a golf course, you know? So you got multiple players that you have to show multiple. Well, no, I mean, that, that that's where, if you watch the master's feed, the master's enables you to just watch one group. You can oh, isolate. If you, you stay you, focused on one group. It's, you can isolate. Right. You oh. can isolate one group, and you can bet. You know, birdie, par, bogey, T in the fairway, TDT oh, at the green. The I mean, you can oh. do all that. You can do, but the latency from from streaming is the problem with that because you're going to be. I mean, that shot may have happened a minute ago, and now right. you're betting into a market that's a minute old. And you know this about the speed of the computers and how how they calculate. I mean, you give the computer ten seconds, that's an eternity. You give the computer sixty seconds to determine the odds. You're dead. You're never beating that computer. No, you can't. It's 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 definitely not. Um, it's a problem that has to be addressed. There's just no. If you want to keep it on the level, it has to be fixed. I don't know how you do it though. That's the problem because you gotta you you gotta do a lot of really fast things. I mean, you gotta get broadband up. You got to get broadband to places that doesn't have broadband right now. And then you got to do it in the cities. You got to get it faster. The one thing that is interesting is that T-Mobile has rolled this thing out where you're actually, it's a wireless internet to your house. And that's supposed to be the fastest internet available at the moment. So I'll be very curious to see what ends up happening, how it, how it ends up going if T-Mobile or that type of like 5G Wi-Fi internet becomes the norm. 
And so we're not hardwiring in anymore. That's part of the problem. We have to go underground. It's got to go through the world. If we're going straight via, you know, one tower, satellite to a tower, tower to your house, you may get it to be faster than going through the tubes underground like we do currently. Mm. I don't know. That's above my pay grade. Me too. I can, I can tell you that having been in a room, having bet it, you need to be able to bet it, not just during commercial breaks. And um, I think it will help grow for everybody involved. But for today, though, we, th- that's our big rule, right? Never in-game bet unless it's a commercial. I mean, if you're learning, yes, but like I do it now, but I know what the number should be. And I know when I think I have, you know, like the, the, the Bruins and Rangers yesterday. Okay. I like the under five and a half. I was on with Morenci. They scored on the first shift. It went to six and a half. I immediately bet it. They were playing. I, I didn't care. And it got me. I tried to lay six and a half minus 110 under. And of course, it never moves in your favor. It's like, oh. <laughs> It's minus 120 now. I'm like, I just hit the button. (laughs) Like, I know what they're doing because I know where I'm betting. And I I mean, like, I'm sure, you know, but I was like, listen, okay, I don't accept it. Never accept the price they give you ever. That's another little piece of advice. Oh, never accept the price. Go back out, get back into the menu, embed it again. Because a lot of times, a lot of times those things may be automated. They may flag accounts. They may just kind of have you set for a setting where it tells you the price change, whether it did or not. So you go back and then make the bet again, like you're starting fresh. Huh. And sometimes you can get a better price than was offered because for whatever reason, I just know how it works. It's not fair. It's definitely not fair and it's definitely not right, but that's the way some books operate. Mm-hmm. So I went in and bet it and they were playing. I mean, it was, they, I, I knew they were playing, but I had time to, to make the bet. So yes, ideally bet during the commercial breaks as you're learning how this goes. That's at least the fairest way to do it. Interesting. Yeah. That's, I just always try personally. I just, I very much try not to, bet in game knowing that latency is such a big problem all right so doug franz from props arizona we're having a little connection issue with doug in the moment so we're gonna hopefully land him here in the, and oh i think i see him now even though he looks like he's in the closet very dark so turn the lights on doug what is he doing <laughs> he looks like he's like by himself like a unibomber oh man <laughs> my goodness back. gracious that's <laughs> funny so hopefully we'll get doug from props arizona here in just one second talking about kyler murray but what do you make of the of BetMGM putting up an putting up a market today, Dave, that, that asks Kyler Murray to be the starting quarterback game one for the Cardinals or someone else? Wow, what's the price? It's pretty. It's heavily juiced. It's minus one thousand for the yes that it, it'll be okay. Kyler Murray. But okay. I mean, it's still they're still putting up a market to go ahead and take bets on whether or not Kyler Murray is going to be the quarterback. Uh, it is minus one thousand for Kyler Murray. Any other quarterback is plus five fifty at the moment. It okay. opened up. It opened up at minus 2,000 plus 850, and it's moved to minus 1,000 plus 550. 83% of the tickets and 79% of the handle at BetMGM on Kyler to be the starting quarterback, but there are some people betting on that. No, it'll be somebody else. It's fantastic. It's, it's, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a fun discussion that goes on in the, in the risk room. 
And then you can just take it right and put it up and take bets on it. It's great. I love it. Um, would I bet it? I would bet only that he's coming back. Right. Maybe Doug's going to come on and tell us something different. I wouldn't bet that he's leaving. I just think that can't wait to hear what Doug says about, you know, unfollowing uh, things. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's see, let's see if we can. Uh, okay. Doug, you're not cutting out. It, it may be on us. Let's see if we can bring on Doug Franz, co-host of props, Arizona that drops every Thursday here. Uh, Doug, you have to look at the camera though. Cause like this is, <laughs> this is awesome. He's looking the wrong way. <laughs> Hi Doug. Uh, you, you need to have, like hey. move, move your move your mic. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're so dark. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I don't want you on the old Mac camera. I oh. want you on my nice camera that uh, is better. So, so in the top row, I just switched it and hopefully it'll figure it out. Look at that. Look at that. We got him. Look at this. He's all diamond backed up. Look at him all excited. He's a, now look at us. That's a little, that's a little better. Now look at us. Looks great. Look, there we go. Look straight, look straight at the camera where your mic is. (laughs) There he is. Hi dog. That's awesome. That well, really- now there's an echo, so I'm trying to figure out where the echo is from. I've had issues all morning, so that's uh, that's uh that's my day. Anyway, well, you're hello. perfect. You're absolutely perfect on our end. So just to just know that you know, drop the ears. If you <laughs> I wish to. my wife thought that. <laughs> <laughs> We're all good. All right. So you tell us what the hell is going on with Kyler Murray. <laughs> Kyler Murray is not a bad guy, and he's going to get arrested. But he's a 12-year-old, and that's the problem. Mm. There you go. Is he going to be the quarterback? Is he going to be the quarterback? There, I mean, I, I realize you want more, but there's, there's nothing more than a 12-year-old to me. I, I, I can't put it any other way. He throws little fits. He pouts. He gets upset really easy. And just compare him to a Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's got the attitude of, I can get us there. Follow me. And everybody follows. Kyler has the attitude that says, I'm going to get there. So it's your fault if I don't, and therefore people don't react to it very well. Is it a coaching problem? Is it a connection between him and, and Kingsbury? And do you blo- do you buy the report that he was told to go into the game in week 17? He said, no. That is, that one's tough to believe in. The, the problem is, how does that get out if it isn't true? It, it's, I mean, I've been in this business almost as long as you, or longer than you, but only by a couple of years. So you know this stuff. People who have rumors like this start, it's normally to prepare the fans for something that's coming. So even though we're months out from that game and I have never heard that, I got to tell you, when it comes out, it makes me believe they might not pick up his fifth year option and they need to take his knees out so all the fans don't revolt so they know why they're doing it. Or I I can't imagine some player has an ax to grind because they didn't think they got the ball enough because he would, you know, he's willing to throw it to anybody. So I think him and Cliff are in a sense fine. The one thing I would say is they did go two and one this year with Colt McCoy. And I kind of have a feeling there's been times that Cliff Kingsbury feels like Kyler's got to get rid of the ball. Kyler's got to do a lot of other things. And to see the offense was reasonably smooth with the 33rd best quarterback in America in Colt McCoy, there might be a little bit of Cliff thinking, 
maybe the problem is not me. And he's a, he's an introspective guy, but I, I would have to say, I don't know why else this rumor comes out unless the Cardinals have an issue and they want to be able to take care of it early enough that the public doesn't revolt. Doug, is he going to be the quarterback when the season starts? That's all I really need to know right now. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. He will be because what else are you going to do? Last year of Steve contract, the GM last year, last year of Cliff Kingsbury's contract, the head coach, and you have to decide by May if you're going to pick up the fifth year option, but that's coming up later. So if it's coming up later, I, the only thing I get something you have to look out for is a holdout. Imagine if the, if the Cardinals say, no, we're not going to pick up your fifth year option. And then Kyler throws a fit and says, well, then trade me. There's no reason for me to be here. Oh, but thing if that happens, but to my knowledge, the Cardinals are looking at it and saying, let's see what happens and let's put all everything, all of our chips in this year. And if it goes well, everybody gets extensions. And if it doesn't, they clean house. Doug, why the unfollow then? You mentioned he's him being a child and, and being and being immature, but he says I'm not about all this drama. He starts talking about I'm not all about this, but he, isn't he the one creating the drama? To me, that exactly shows he is about the drama. The timing is too good, and you know I'm I'm a 50 year old man, so even though I understand social media, I don't understand how 20 year olds feel about it. That this this is what you do when you want to show somebody you're upset at them. Instead of just like picking up the phone or walking into the office and saying I have a problem with you, you scrub your account and then say see, and to do it right after the Pro Bowl. And then you turn around and say, I'm not about this nonsense. He started the nonsense. So that, that's such a cop-out answer. And that make that statement and have so many likes on Instagram after the statement from the people, yeah, stand up to the man. Get real. You scrubbed it. If you didn't want the negative attention, all you had to do was do nothing. He brought all of this on himself. Doug, forget about that drama. What about this Phoenix Suns basketball team? <laughs> Okay. That's what I really want to know about. Oh man. This is th there's no there's no drama involved with it. There's no controversy. All this team does is win. They didn't cover last night, but that's okay. How excited is the city one to you and three Matt just bought a ticket on them to win the overall <laughs> NBA championship last night. We're ready to go. The Suns team is fantastic. <laughs> <sighs> This this is a this is a strange town. It is a town that believes it's totally cursed, and then it believes the rest of the world is out to get him and won't even allow him to be cursed because everybody wants to talk about the old Red Sox curse or talk about the Cleve, the city of Cleveland curse and all the other curses. People around here are even jealous. You don't talk about our curse enough. That's the way people feel here to have only had one major sports championship in the entire history of the city. So there is a wild nervousness going on of, oh, my God, I hope they don't screw this up kind of feeling to the city. But make no mistake, this is a Phoenix Suns town. It always has been and it always will be. And Robert Sarver, the owner, basically buried the team for 10 years. And it is just an awakening, a coming out party that we haven't seen since Steve Nash. And the place is packed every night. They are screaming like crazy. Chris Paul said last night, it matters. You drive us. And I really think it does because coming out of the pandemic, to be a full house barn every night, the players 
truly understand what it means to have a fan base that's going crazy. When I say going crazy, people are in their seats. They've already got their beer and they're in their seats 15, 20 minutes before tip off. They're cheering layups. They're cheering warmups. If, if Devin Booker stretches well, everybody's losing their mind. So the passion right now of the city and the fan base is at an astronomical level. Combine that with the leadership of Chris Paul, the basketball IQ of Monty, and the killer instinct of Devin Booker. And they're surrounded with all guys with no egos. Monty always likes to say we have a we score mentality and it really focuses on who cares which of the five of you score. If one of you dives hard to the basket to create an open passing lane for someone else, then you help them score. And it's that kind of mentality that with the brains of a Chris Paul, all of them have bought into this team is unbelievably for real. So on one of your previous episodes of props, Arizona, you and Sean Papa bear Lockhart went back and forth about Chris Paul as an MVP bet you were pretty adamant that you should not be betting on Chris Paul to be the MVP. Have you softened at all given what's going on? No, because I, there's nothing you can say that can get me to trust the voters. That's why I'm against a futures bet on Chris Paul. There's no doubt if people actually know the game, Chris Paul is the MVP. Any vote other than Chris Paul, you're an idiot. I mean, it's just you're not watching the games or you're stuck in your little East Coast condo somewhere. If you watch the games and you see what this man does in the fourth quarter and you look and I know it's not a history award, but look, Oklahoma City was trying to lose on purpose and he got them into the playoffs, into the bubble and then into the playoffs. He comes here and the team is averaging 25 wins a year and they go to the Western Conference Finals and into the NBA Finals in year one. And now they're the best team. If they lose every game the rest of the way, if they go on a 30 game losing streak, they make the playoffs. That's how insane they're playing right now. And it has everything to do with Chris Paul's leadership, Chris Paul's communication, Chris Paul hanging out at practice all the time, working with any guy that wants to work with him. And then what he does in the final five minutes of a fourth quarter, the guy is unbelievable, but you have to see it to truly understand it. The reason why he hasn't won a championship before is everywhere he's gone. There's been a couple of players that don't want to work that hard. That's what we've learned. This whole team embraces the Chris Paul work ethic. And now he ha- he's the teacher with a bunch of students who are he is able to lead to another NBA final. And I I do think they're going to win it, but I do not think he's going to win MVP because I don't think the voters are smart enough. He's 30 to one right now, which is the same price as Devin Booker. I'm looking at the FanDuel numbers. So it's coming down, but you're right. I just don't know if they'll give it to him. Last one for me, Doug, before, you know, throw it back to Matt. And just to interrupt you, Dave, you also have that issue. What about people that watch the Suns and think it's Devin Booker or think it's Chris Paul? They also split votes. That's the problem. That's the, the, I don't know if he has enough steam there to win it there. All right, so on the opposite end of the spectrum down there is mm-hmm. they set up – I know you got a big backyard. It looks like they may have set the rink up for the Coyotes in your backyard. Like, <laughs> it's unreal what is happening <laughs> – to a professional hockey franchise in Arizona. I lived there and went to the whiteout games downtown. The place was rocking. They had potential to be a real franchise. They move out to Glendale, and now nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to go to the games. They're building a 5,000-seat arena. What in the hell is going on down there hockey-wise, Doug? 
Well, number one, it's it's average backyard. Let's 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 put it that way. But we made it look big with cornhole alley and a grill in the pool. Okay, so that, that part is true. We just it's an optical illusion. But the thing is, and a lot of people around the country don't understand this about Glendale and traffic and the way things work here in Phoenix is the money is on the east side. And I'm a west side guy. So west side people, we don't have that kind of money. So what happens in Glendale is when you watch a game on television, the upper bowl is actually pretty well sold out. And the reason why it's sold out is because that's what the West side can afford. But the lower seats, the lower bowl, it's, you know, rarely 50% full. And I just mean the lower bowl itself. And if you are a person that lives in Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, something like that, here are your choices. You've generated enough revenue for your family that you probably don't get off of work right at five o'clock and the game's coming up at seven. So do you drive home through traffic, pick up the family, eat in the car or eat at the game, drive what during traffic and rush hour will take you an hour to get from your home to Glendale and you're rushing into the game probably around eh, five minutes late or something. So you haven't gotten to enjoy any of the amenities of your season tickets or you only go to games on weekends. Well, once you do that, you stop buying season tickets. And then now it's only a big game or a playoff game. Hey, it's sold out. Everybody's great. But people aren't coming from the east side and the west side doesn't have the money to support it. So they do need to leave Glendale. The problem is this crazy idea of what they're doing now. Fans don't know if they're coming or going. Who's the owner this year? It changes all the time. I love of this city. I love that Gary Bettman has stuck his neck out like crazy to try. But this is now a 13-year endeavor that this team is going through and nobody knows what the future is. And now... They're going to play in a 5,000-seat arena that they have to spend $20 million on just to upgrade. And you'll never guess why. The NCAA does not allow anybody that is a professional franchise to spend money to give a college team extra amenities. So they basically have to wall off the ASU Sun Devil hockey team from anything that's coyote related. So a completely new training room, practice area, all that kind of stuff. The ASU guys can't even see it, but it's still an ASU arena. So ASU gets their own dates, sells the ice advertising, sells the dashboards. And now the Coyotes are just going to come in and run it. It's a bad deal. The only positive is at least it's in Tempe where it's exactly where the Coyotes think their new arena is going to go. But again, I said, think nothing's official yet. They're just hoping people get into the habit of going to Tempe for hockey. He is Doug Franz, co-host of Props Arizona, presented by <laughs> Betfred Sports. He and Sean Lockhart will tape the newest episode today, dropping tomorrow in all your feeds on this YouTube channel. We'll have their video audio wherever you get your audio podcasts. Doug, good stuff, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you you're doing it. We'll do it again soon down the road, I'm sure. Anytime. And you guys are welcome to come over to the backyard when you come. <laughs> very cool man thank you doug appreciate that doug franz at unplugged doug on twitter Back. to follow him here see we make fun of the internet and the internet daps us twice right it hits you oh, and then it hits doug <laughs> <laughs> although doug has had internet problems before uh he he kind of warned us when we first started doing props arizona presented by betfred sports we, we started doing that uh over in the beginning and, and we were like man this is bad we got to figure these things out how do we how do we deal with this and then right. it, now it's 
you know, it worked well enough. The audio was good. It just didn't match his mouth. Right. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a little bit of a delay, but it worked. It, it worked. worked. So I, I appreciate Doug coming on. That was really nice of him uh, to come here and do that. All right. Time now for our betprep.com prop of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go. We're 1-0 and on the week. It is a, a Yusuf Nurchich bet. We are going with the over for rebounds on Nurchich tonight here. Uh, Brad Feinberg, let me pull up the email from Brad really fast because it's a good explanation as to why Brad is rolling with this. Uh, He is going, he averages 11, but more importantly, he's getting 15% more minutes after all the trades in Portland. He's 31 in 24 year to date to the over for 10 and a half rebounds. But, he is playing even more. So he likes the number to be over this. We're going 12, 13 rebounds for Nurchich here. How do you feel about that bet? Jeez. Uh, is it 10 and a half right now? Did it drop down? Yeah. Well, he's, he's betting. Uh, he, he is taking over 10 and a half rebounds. Okay, I thought you said 12 and a half. No, 10, no, no, no. I'm saying that's what he thinks is going to happen. He's had 16, 20, 12, 11, 10, 16, 13 in February. Oh, wow. Okay. So he's hit this number every game except for one. He had 10 against the Bucks. All right. But every game he's gone over. I like it. I like it. Game against Memphis, right? Mm-hmm. Tonight, what's the line on that game? Yeah, I think I like that one today. Looks mm. good. All right, there yep. we go. Very yep. cool. And there we go. Doug, by the way, just wrote to us and said, <laughs> all he heard was digital cutting in and out, and I guessed at what was being asked. That's pretty good, man. The 25-year radio vet right there. He's just bro. anticipating what the question was, <laughs> trying to figure out, guessing what we were talking about. But we'll figure that out internet-wise. We'll have to, like, I don't know. We'll need to, I guess where he lives, he's had bad internet for years. So it was part of the problem. Oh, there's, there's a lot of places down there. You're literally out in the desert, like, you know, depending how far (laughs) out you are, nothing has changed. That was one of the things, one of the places I lived in Scottsdale, I was ready to just, I was going to basically be left living in a desert. I was like, nothing works here. The phones don't work. The, the wow. internet doesn't work. None of it worked. We just were a little bit extended part of Scottsdale. And I was like, does no one even ask? Like, is everyone okay with just sitting on their porch? Like it's 1962 and not being you know, watching television and that's it. Yeah. It used to drive me crazy, but we, we, we ended up moving to another place because we were so annoyed that year that we lived there. We're done. It was terrible. Interesting. All right. Time now for better to book it. Let's start with the big college basketball game on the night. It is Baylor at Texas Tech Mm -hmm. here. I bet this last night. This number has moved a little bit against me here, but I don't really care. Texas Tech has been an absolute wagon at home against the spread this season. They have been beating teams up consistently. Baylor's got three very big injuries. And Baylor's a team that I think you can start to fade here a little bit. I think it's injuries are starting to catch up to them. I laid the minus two here with Texas Tech at home. I believe they're 12 and three at home this year against the spread. We're going to bet or book Texas Tech minus two against Baylor tonight. We're betting it. We're hot, baby. We're hot. We're betting this for sure. Actually, um, 
my boy Frankie gave me this one yesterday. He said Ooh. at Texas Tech, um, amidst all the other one million things I was worried about and doing, and I was like, the game's tomorrow. He's like, I know. I know you know. I'm just telling you now so I don't forget. So good source, good play. Um, I don't know if we can get ready to fade Baylor completely, but this is one of the teams that I think we need to keep an eye on, especially on the road mm. going against. And Texas Tech is as good as any favorite at home right now. Definitely laying two points is fine. And Thomas Casale yesterday, I think, after tonight, if you like Texas Tech, I think – Tonight, if they were to work Baylor tonight, those 30 to one odds and them to win it all could be gone. So if you want to get in early before this game, if you do, and and I think Thomas is right about this, if you do want to take a flyer bet on on, on Texas Tech to win it all, they're really hard to play against. (laughs) And 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 they're starting to peak at the right time. And I mean, Chris Beard didn't leave the cupboard bare when he left. This is a really good basketball team that's got you know, really good players. And I, I think Texas set could be a problem for anybody uh, that faces them in the tournament. So 30 to one is pretty decent value for a team that I think could come up with a big win tonight at home against Baylor. So I'm laying the two. I know I think Baylor money's coming in. I think the public's on Baylor because they, that they think that Baylor is still the Baylor defending champs on the road, blah, 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 catching two points. This is the first time all year, by the way, Baylor is a dog. They've never been an underdog all year. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I think one reason, that's one reason why I think people are coming in here. It's um, still two. It's two and a half at one place, Caesars, and then everyone else is two. So okay, you're, you're fine. That's good. okay. Good. All right. Good. I'm sorry. I won early this morning, so that's good. Okay. So yeah, minus two for Texas Tech. Uh, I, I tease this a little bit with our interview with Ryan Bollinger about the Genesis. Uh, the only golf bet I've made so far here. I am taking Patrick Cantlay to come in the top ten. It was even money last night. I'm not sure if that number has moved or not, but. How do you feel about a guy who has yet to finish outside the top 10 this season to come in the top 10 of the Genesis? I like that as well. Um, You know, we talked to Dubsy when we were at the Super Bowl, and he said it, you know, what you look at, recent form. Mm. Guys playing well, you ride them. Guys not playing well and still finishing, I like them even more. Right. Like, that's the one. Give me that guy, because when he catches – a hot putter for a weekend or really has that iron play throwing darts on the green. That's when you can't get them, you know, at a good price. Like, so absolutely. Um, what was the price you got? Even money. You said even money. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. As long as we're not lying, we're betting it. Top 10 Patrick Cantlay. tournament starts tomorrow in Los Angeles for Tiger Woods, tournament, the Genesis. And finally you're wearing the Vegas golden Knights stuff. I'm going to take a bit of a flyer here. Okay, so I started going over the numbers between Vegas and Colorado tonight. Jack Eichel playing for Vegas. Mm. Vegas goal in the first 10 minutes is seven and three over the last 10. I like that bet as well. But Colorado actually hasn't been great to first period overs, just two in the last 10 games. But overall in the year, they are hitting at a 63% clip to the over one and a half goals. If you want to lay one and a half or go over one and a half goals, it's minus 140 at BetMGM. If you bet two goals exactly to be scored in the first period, it's plus 230. I took a flyer on two goals exactly to be scored for Vegas and Colorado in the first period at plus 230. Better booking that. Wow. Um. 
So if three goals are scored, you lose? Correct. Man. But three goals in the first period is really rare. Oh, it is. So I'm okay with taking the plus money rather than laying the juice at over one and a half and having two goals go down. I said, well, why not we just go ahead and bet the two goals exactly and have it be one, one or two, nothing after one. That's good. I mean, that that's good for the price. Um, and I mean, if it's one, you lose anyway on the other side. You know, if you if you go over one and a half and you're laying 140 and it's one, you lose. So now you're getting 230 that it has to be two. I mean, really, the first period scenarios are pretty much zero, one or two. Right. It's very rare that it's three. So you get one of the three and you're getting 230. I'll book it just because I would right. book it normally. Yes, <laughs> right. but right. but I think of the scenario and the thinking, I don't have a problem with the bet at all. I mean, especially the way we're rolling this week. So you know, let's let's go for the jugular and go for the plus two thirty. Um, I can't wait to watch this game. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Eichel. I can't wait to see what he looks like. I, I just, I just, I'm excited to see what he does for the lines, like who he's going to play with. Um, I haven't gone up to practice. I, I usually, you know, try to get up to practice now, especially with football season being done. We can go to practice. Literally, you could almost walk there. Um, it's not far. And watching these guys practice is fun enough. Watching them play now. Colorado lost last night. Mm-hmm. They're coming in here off a loss, and they get Vegas with Eichel, you know, making his debut. Building's going to be hopping, man. It's going to be an exciting game to watch. And then I think this is, is this TNT night? Yes. Yes. That's why I bet it. It's Eichel. Uh, It's TNT. It's Colorado off of a loss. They're mad. Vegas is going to be hopping and excited. This is like a playoff game type atmosphere. I I think it's going to be up and down the ice. I think it's going to be an awesome game. Six and a half is the total. I, I think I think we see a lot of offense coming up here tonight. I think goal in the first 10 minutes. I think two goals in the first period. I think the over six and a half. I think we're seeing a lot of offense tonight. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking right now. So six and a half over minus 20, six and a half over minus 15, still available in a couple of places. Feels like the game's got to go over. Um, although Colorado's been playing some really tight games to the under. I mean, they've been playing a lot of games, like you said, haven't been scoring. Yep. But I saw McKinnon was back for them. Mm-hmm. So we got, you know, full complement of players. Boy, it's steamed up. This Colorado's minus 140 in some places. Yikes. I like the dog there. Give me the Colorado is a minus 140 road yes. favorite tonight. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Somebody either not playing or something's up. I don't know. That's huh. a big steam move. Give me the Knights plus money. Yeah, interesting. I would agree with that. Uh, by the way, I, I guess the Vegas Golden Knights at the pre-skate press conference just said there's no rumor to the return from Mark Andre Fleury to the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I didn't think that was possible. I was hoping that was going to happen, though, man. That's that's something. If that that, that were to happen, that would be incredible if they brought him back. Yeah, I don't know if he's. They don't want I mean, the contract. They, they they don't want the contract that Chicago gave him. They, they, that was the whole point. They they wanted him to stay. They wanted him to come back on a cheap deal. He went and got a market deal with Chicago. Why would they go and pay him what they weren't going to pay him before? It's kind of egg on their face if they do that. So that was my only thing of like, wait, they, they're taking his contract too. Like if he was cut and he was 
a free agent, then I could see him coming back. But I can't right. see them actually taking the contract that the Blackhawks gave him. No, definitely not. They, and you can't add to the, to the goalie controversy right now. Like it mm. would only become, you know, is he coming in to be the backup? Or is he coming in to be the starter? And then, you know, what have these guys have been doing all season? Well, oh, Leonard would not be happy. Robin Leonard no, would not be happy about would, that. This is his would, team now. Yeah, and and he's the Boers guy. There's no question about right. It. Can't bring back Flower. That would be a move for the fans, not for the team. I would agree. All right. Favorite thing about today is what? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, I. It's the hockey game. I think tonight. Like I'm excited about the game. You know, wore the jersey for the show. Um it feels like the big night, the big thing that we're talking about. Although yeah. there's a full slate of basketball, there's a full slate of stuff. Um, family, you know, got back yesterday. So we've got a quiet day at the house. I'm going to go down to the strip, meet some people in from out of town, right from here. Talk about the show, talk about a lot of other opportunities, but I'm looking forward to the hockey game tonight, seven o'clock, seven Oh five start. Um, we'll be watching. We'll probably be making some in-game plays. It <laughs> might be one of those nights where it's like, hey, we're going to watch the hockey game. Well, daddy's got to watch the game, if you know what that means. That means leave him alone. He's he's pushing the buttons on his phone. Can't really enjoy it. Give me the nachos on the side. We'll be good. <laughs> For me, uh, it's actually a thing I hate and actually a thing that I love at the same time. Because now with golf starting tomorrow and people start this is when we start ramping towards the masters. We start having the conversation and we'll probably spend more time on this a bit tomorrow. We got a little sidetracked and a little long with Ryan Bollinger, but like we have to talk about the way that golf betting goes when it comes to top 10, top twenties and these books that decide that they're going to change the odds after the, after the tournament's over and the dead heat rule is one of the most difficult things for people to understand. And you, it is the most important thing in golf betting right now to go and read your house rules to make sure bet MGM, William Hill, um, trying to think of the other ones, but DraftKings and FanDuel, the fact that they do these dead heat rules should prevent you from ever betting a top 10 or a top 20 in golf at those books. Do not do it. So my favorite thing about today and my least favorite thing about today is that now that we're getting back into golf betting, we have to explain dead heat rules and dead heat yeah. betting. Cause it, Dave, it's really, it's tough on people cause they don't get it. They think they got a winning ticket and then they don't. Uh, make it reason number 1.1 1. 1 million. Why I'm glad <laughs> I'm not in the book and having to explain this. Did you work at a book that had dead heat rules? Nope. Okay, good. Nope. When I saw it, I was like, wait a second, wait a second. What? What is this? You have to, what? How do you even explain it? You don't, unless someone asks, they don't know or they read the rules ahead of time. So you get the payout and you're like, what is this? Oh, it's terrible. I don't like it at all. Recalculating the odds based upon the number of, you know, what, what space they tied for and how many, you know, you break up your bet where you think you got a hundred dollar bet to win even money. Oh, I want a hundred. Nah, you won 20. What? Yeah. I want 20 split it, yeah, split it with five people. So yep. It's get. just ridiculous that these things exist. It is minus one ten is tough enough to recalculate odds at the end of a tournament is embarrassing. Yep. It just should not happen. So if you've ever been in golf this year, read the fine print of the bet 
it has to say pays out ties. Doesn't say pays out ties. Walk on, go somewhere else. Just shop around. It's just because you don't have to do that. You don't have to play it that way. Yeah. If you have Patrick Cantlay at plus 150 to come in the top 10, your book is not paying out ties. Telling you right now, okay? That plus 150 is a hook. They're throwing a little bobber into the pond and they're looking to reel you in, okay? That's what that is. He should be even money or shouldn't even be minus 110, okay? This dude has not come in outside of the top 10 this year. If you're getting plus 150 on Patrick Cantlay to come in the top 10, your book is not paying out ties. So if he comes in 10th, you're not winning plus 150. Tied for 10th. If he comes in tied. Sorry, tied for 10th. Excuse me. Yes, yes. Come in tied for 10th. Sorry, excuse me. Tied for 10th. Yeah. He will not, he he will not pay plus 150. So for those of you in the chat who are asking about that, saying, I got him for plus 150. Uh Uh-uh. Guarantee you that your book that you're looking at does not pay out ties. DraftKings is the most notorious for doing this. So if you're looking at a DraftKings board and it says plus 150, uh uh-uh. That's not the odds that you're going to get. It becomes an outright, but he has to come in in the top 10 and not tie. No T10. Yeah. No T10. Right. If he does T10, you're out of luck. If he does T10 with eight guys, you divide that 150 by eight. Yep. Congratulations. You've won $5. Basically get your money. Yeah, paid five dollars. So there you go. Yeah, BetMGM is the book I know for most of you guys who are available across the country. They do pay out ties, so just that's one book that they do pay out ties. All right, guys, great show today. A lot of fun. Thanks to Ryan Ballingy from the Golf News Net coming on talking about the Genesis and Doug Franz from Props Arizona. Be watching for that podcast. It will drop tomorrow morning. You guys can go subscribe to Sean Papa Bear Lockhart and Doug Franz every. If you like Arizona sports, they're breaking down the Suns. They're breaking down the Cardinals drama. All the stuff that is happening in Arizona. Some Coyotes as well. But baseball, hopefully baseball is going to come back as Diamondback stuff for them. They're going to talk a lot about the D-backs, but uh, we'll see where, where baseball is. Spring training was supposed to start today, and it's not. He's Dave. I'm Matt. We're back tomorrow for a Thursday's Bostonian versus the book.